Hi everyone, and welcome to another episode of Riskologists. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Optimize and hosted by me, Andy Haslam. This season, we'll be speaking with the key decision makers who reap the benefits and gain the most value from effective risk management. We'll be exploring their perceptions, interactions, and experiences, as well as understanding what they personally have found to be the most rewarding and beneficial aspects that the discipline has to offer. We hope these conversations provoke thought and discussion amongst both risk and non-risk professionals to lift the lid on how its effective delivery can add real value to the roles of the beneficiaries. So without further ado, let's get into it. Well, hi, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Riskologists. I'm your host, Andy Haslam, and today I'm delighted to be joined by Claire Gallery-Strong. So Claire, welcome to Riskologists. Thank you. Um, so we always tend to ask this at the beginning of the podcast for everybody, you know, what's your podcast game like? Have you done anything like this before? So this is my first podcast. Uh, I'm really looking forward to it. I'm looking forward to the curious questions you're going to ask. <laughs> and I'm looking forward to hearing the feedback from the people who listen. Excellent. Well, I'm sure it's going to be a great one. Um, as always, we'd like to kick things off with a bit of a journey to date. So how you started in your career, where it's taken you and a, a bit of a timeline up to this very point recording the podcast today. So fire away. So yeah, so I'm currently, I'm a director of strategy and integrated waste management program, and I work in the nuclear industry. And you know, my road line, it's been quite an interesting journey from a scientist in, in a, graduating in the University in Ireland, and moving across to work in the United Kingdom, working across a whole range of projects. I started as an environmental chemist, I moved into pharmaceutical. Um, I went on from pharmaceutical into corrosion research, nuclear industry, chemical operations, project management, uh, and started with some quite small projects on into programs, um, portfolios, and to the role I have today as a, a director in a nuclear organization. So it's been a really interesting journey. Well, it definitely sounds it's pretty varied as well. So that's, uh, yeah, it's amazing. Um, before we get stuck into the topic, really in a little bit more detail, as after all, this is um, in a risk management podcast, uh, just briefly, what has your experience been with risk management over your career and what sort of relationship have you had with it? Oh, so do you know what? Risk has sometimes been uh, one of those things that people think, oh, no, that's the, the, the sad person in the room who talks about the risks rather than the people who want to get on with the delivery. Uh, but what I'll say to you is, you know, and this is really important to say for us in, in our industry in particular, risk is really important for us to think about uh, the impact on, on our people, on our communities uh, and, our, and on our environment. We really need to consider risk in every step we take. And regardless of whether I worked in the environmental industry or the pharmaceutical industry where I handled chemotoxic drugs right through into, you know, the nuclear industry, risk has been a, a really important factor. And yeah, well, let's get into some of the examples. So excellent, thank you very much. Brilliant, thanks, Claire. As everyone can already tell from the title of the podcast today, we're going to be discussing um, escalation of risk across P three environments and your experiences with uh, how risk maturity affects the process at higher levels within an organisation. Um, we'll get into this in a little bit more detail shortly. But from your perspective, you know, why did you choose this topic in particular to get stuck into? So this has been uh, partly located with my journey of moving from projects, programs to portfolios, and then with it, my exposure to the different levels of risk. And, you know, looking back in my career, when I first started out as a project manager, one of the projects I did very early on was uh, the Millennium Bug and looking and understanding what risk meant in that context of one individual component of the impact on some nuclear operating facilities and taking all of the different considerations. What happens if 
What's the risk if we lose our power? What's the risk if we lose our electrical distribution system? What's the risk if we lose um, the next uh, phase of being able to transfer chemicals? And being able to do that in an individual project is uh, one way of, of dealing with things. But as I moved on in my career and I started to take on more complex projects and more complex portfolios uh, of projects and then programs, I started to, to um, understand the connection that risk had right the way threading up through from project to program to portfolio, and that there are some things that are not within your grasp as a project manager. You do need to escalate because that uh, aggregated risk needs to be escalated to a level that can really be dealt with. So that's kind of why I've been quite interested in it. And, and also my experience of the, of the changing landscape of the tools and complexity of risk that I've seen through my career from when I started with it being you know, a very simple Word document and you know just what's the risk, what's the mitigation, through to the complexities of understanding the implications of very high impact um, versus probability. So great example of my Millennium Bug, I had a pot of cash. I had a pot of cash I could spend and I had to make some decisions about the implications of the, the risk and where I should spend my money. Um, right through though to when you have uh, multiple pots of, of risk money and you need to be able to take a view at a portfolio level of how do you how do you best allocate that portfolio of risk money. So it's just been the whole the whole tools thing has changed a lot. The the um P3M3, well, I think uh, you won't be surprised that I say this. I think a project's a bit like, a, I say it's like having a rainbow. You need lots of different colors together. To, and I see risk as being one of the colors in the rainbow that helps achieve the project uh, outcome. Uh, and that's kind of been why I'm quite interested in sharing the escalation and how it fits with P3M3. No, it's, it's a really good analogy. I think we've come up with it before in our discussions before we started the podcast. And I always really like that one, um, you know, that it's part of that bigger picture. So if we were to look uh, back towards the start of your career and your introduction to risk management, as you look back at it now, how would you believe risk management was executed? Well, not very well in the beginning of my career, I have to say. You know, we did rely on very crude um, tools and risk you know, was was thought about through the concept of how can have we really going to do this? Um, is this something that that's an add-on rather than something that's integral? The maturity of of really looking at risk as being embedded in project program and portfolio management has really shifted. You know, now we wouldn't consider um, working on our work without embedding our risk registers. Um, regular reviews it's it's not a mundane you have to routinely do it it's actually a core to kind of how you get work done and deliver work and you know if um if you don't keep uh, action and eye on your risk then you make mistakes and projects start to fail yeah definitely it's far more important i think than a lot of people really give it credit for um and it's great that you've had that change in mindset for all you've seen the change from the beginning uh, up until now so as you then progressed and, and moved through to projects and higher levels of, the, of an organization, what were the key differences that you found in the approach both that you and your colleagues had, had taken in getting the most out of risk management to achieve those key objectives? Well, it's like uh, lots and lots of different things mixed up in, in here for me. Um, I, I, I'll come back to that example of uh, looking after a nuclear facility that was uh, concerned about the impact of the clicking over of the top the clock from 99 to 2000 and, and the risk of of losing um, access to really important systems 
Um, our development of thinking from then to when we, we worked with, with Word documents through to today, where we look at uh, Monte Carlo modeling, where we um, allocate risk monies and, and consider you know, if it, when, when you take all of those um, aggravated risks together, so let's take my example of that, um, my nuclear operation facility, aggregated with a, with a whole bunch of other different projects that are working in the same space, that need to take that escalated, prioritised approach to how we deal with our risk management. And, and so there's been a lot of change. Um, you know, we've moved from, from Word documents, we've moved from using Excel spreadsheets, we've moved into um, application of IT systems that have helped us give us more sophisticated tools to manage, to control and, and monitor. Uh, I, I just, honestly, I look back and I think, you know, when it was a simple me draw up a list on a flip chart, and now we have some really, really um, useful tools that um, become make risk management accessible at your fingertips. Um, so there has been a lot of of change for us in in the system. Thanks, guys. So you mentioned something before about escalation. So if we if we go on to the escalation side of things for a moment, um, have you found any common problems when it's come to escalating risks and issues, and how have you found the best way to tackle them? So risk has been um, something that that we've matured an awful lot in taking escalation into consideration. Uh, great example, a hot water tank installation. I need a mechanical engineer. Uh, I see it as a risk that my design is going to be late. Um, I've uh, go and commit to that, get that committed mechanical engineering resource. But unbeknownst to me, my colleagues are also using the same mechanical engineering capability to deliver a project that they also think is really important. And we start to demonstrate that we're now getting an aggregated risk of common scarce resource that are all committed to the same um, pro program of work that are all delivering in the same facility. And they're all doing the mechanical engineering design and we all as project managers uh, are identifying that risk and that's where you start to get into a great opportunity to look through the lens of a program of common and scarce a common resource um, conflicts or scarce resource conflicts and you have to start to bring this up and escalate these sorts of issues at a program level um, you know we, we've started to develop tools in our industry in, in the portfolio management approach to be able to look for these common risks and to start to draw them out. Um, experience is great. So um, where you're working on a, a fairly routine up, uh, job, that the project that you've done many of these before, multiple ones, and you know roughly where your risks are and your uncertainty, um, that, that doesn't work so well for us in our decommissioning environment, which tends to be complex, it tends to be changing, and we have a lot of uncertainty. So we have to start to, to look at these aggregated risks more thoughtfully and and um, use the tools of, of program management to look at where could there be common risks. And then when you start to bring together the several scarce resource or there is a multiple aggregated risk because several of us need the same mechanical engineering designer, for instance, we're able to start to look at the prioritization and allocation of resource through the lens of the program. And that's one sort of example of where you get that escalation of something that's complex. But another great one, um, I was sitting in a, an investment committee meeting and we were examining a business case investment decision. And in this particular case, um, the funding was a matter that we were questioning whether in the context of all of the um, different matters that uh, needed to be funded for the organization, could this particular program of work be get the adequate funding? 
And that was, uh, I remember one of the directors saying, well, actually, we need to escalate this. This is a, it's beyond a program risk. It's actually for the enterprise. It's, it's, it's a much bigger risk. And that's when you start to see the different uh, layers that risk can have when you're taking a much more aggregated view. And you have to, it's, it's quite humbling as a project manager, as a program manager, when you go, no, that risk is not within my control. We kind of always have the fix it mentality. And there's something quite um, uh, helpful, I have to say, about being able to recognize through the tools of risk management when actually the escalation is, is it, it's okay. You need to escalate it because it is outside of the controls, outside of the boundaries. The funding risk for that particular program of work was outside of that program's control and needed to have um, a level of escalation again to understand the priority of it. And sometimes we want to think we have all the answers and the um, risk management taking a very uh, calculated and thoughtful perspective and it takes the um, it, it takes the delivery and the drive that we have in our in our project and program management away, and it allows you to step back and see from a, a more um, I suppose more corporate perspective uh, where things need to be taken from a different um, aspect. And sometimes that might mean that actually the project or program you're working on doesn't get the funding. That has happened to me where I've worked on something and the prioritization has been elsewhere. But when you can see it in the context of the different risks that the different areas have, then at least you can put make some sense making around risks. So you mentioned then about obviously the, the really the, the kind of benefits of the escalation side of it. But have you found what have you found to be the biggest issues or pitfalls that that can impact an organisation when that escalation process is is actually poorly managed or, or implemented? So I've got some really chewy ones at the moment because oh, I have. I like, yeah, I have a portfolio that runs across um, several organizations. And, and so one of my programs has escalated a risk to me because they've said this one, you know, this this is a this is bigger than us. We, we can't take this within our space. And, you know, I think what we have to recognize is got to be a handshake. Um, so so it's it's great to talk about systems and processes, but they ultimately help us as people to manage risks. So one um, example, you know, this this particular chewy one I have is what if it falls down the cracks? So they kind of go, it's not our problem because it's too big for us. But I haven't caught the ball at my side and said, yeah, I'm going to um, address this uh, a particular risk. And so I've been um, I've been chewing over this particular one because it because it's it's quite complex. It takes um, it does take a level of effort to actually on the other side accept this risk so there is a part about it could it can impact on things going badly um and you know, the other thing i'll say is you learn so much from your mistakes and there have been um you know earlier in my career projects where i had a, a risk register that i didn't dust off from the drawer on a regular enough basis to take a look at it and when i um missed on having a key stakeholder engagement and I, I remember sitting in the meeting afterwards uh, saying how did that go so wrong you know what, what went what went wrong there it was kind of a bit of a a bit of a surprise to me I was thinking you know you know that should have been a really simple straightforward decision to have banked with the stakeholders and pulling out my risk register uh, I looked at it and thought right well I did actually have a I did have a mitigation action there that was to uh, address a particular stakeholder before I, I approached this one. And I missed that step. Um, 
I don't think we talk about mistakes often enough. Uh, it takes a bit of, um, it's not it's not a nice place to be in when you don't get everything, uh, the outcome you're trying to head for. And we think, for instance, we think of stakeholder plans, we don't think of them in the context of risk. We think of them as something else, something separate. And we think of quality plans in the context of that's actually something else and something separate. But actually, they're all coming, they're all there because they are risk mitigations for things that we set out to say, if we don't do this and we don't have a stakeholder plan, and if I don't engage that particular uh, engineering director and prepare them for the need for this investment decision, then I've actually not done my mitigation action and my risk caused knock-on delay to the project because I needed to go back and do uh, you know, a, a resubmission. Mm. So yeah there's an awful lot there in answering that question yeah, definitely it's always good i think it's a good point to make we, it's come up a couple of times i think in some conversations we've had where you know people say it's in regards to asking questions about things you know you should always be be uh, prepared to ask questions and um you know there's no there's no such thing as a silly question sometimes but i think it's also a really good point to mention that you know mistakes do happen and it's it's being able to recognize where they are and and then learning from it and going from there Moving on a little bit, the, the the other part of the topic that we mentioned um, is is risk maturity. Um, for any listeners out there who who haven't really delved too much into risk maturity before, can you give us a bit of a rundown of how you see the different levels of maturity within an organisation, uh, particularly within the nuclear sector? So, just reflecting on on one of the complex projects that I ran, um, which looked at the, the return to uh, operations of a nuclear facility that had a, some damaged pipe work. And that was a particularly chewy one because uh, I ended up running with several work streams. Um, the, the majority of them were directly looking at how we would um, uh, bring that operational facility back. One of them was actually a risk mitigation work stream. I started to develop robotics capability in case we need to do some in-cell, um, uh, actually access inside that, that radioactive cell. And that robotics capability hadn't existed previously. Now, at the time of maturity, we didn't have very um, mature risk processes. This is some years ago, and it was running alongside those other um, more mature design and um, design and operations work streams I had. But it was actually a risk mitigation and some very early um, thinking work stream. And my, my big reflection was how much our maturity has moved on today that I wouldn't today uh, run a risk mitigation work stream like that as if I was treating it the same as those other embedded um, delivery work streams and tasks. Today, I would I would call that out as a risk mitigation um, activity and I'd look at it through uh, as, a, as a funding allocation of money to do that risk mitigation action. So our thinking's really quite changed from trying to bundle everything all up into one to being able to look at the different levels of maturity, complexity, and mitigation that you're putting to deliver a project and being able to call out where actually it's it's the right thing to do to deliberately allocate tasks and money to risk mitigation because it's that important that it be, could become a project in its own right. Okay, thanks again there for that, Claire. Um, let's start to kind of wrap things up a little bit then. So if we were to try and give some advice and then maybe like a top three list of critical components that any P3 manager or director needs to ensure that their business utilizes to, to bolster their risk maturity, what would they be? Well, I'd start by saying, don't stick your risk register in the cupboard and leave it till you dust it <laughs> off and think, oh no, that's gone wrong. Um, 
risk is a fundamental to how we do business and you know, my, 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 that would be absolutely having people um, enter into the conversation with a curious mind and to respect that that risk can have a significant impact if it's mismanaged. So, you know, that would don't dust, dust don't leave it in a drawer um, dust it off regularly. Uh, see it as something that can be a helpful tool to run how you operate and um, treat it with curiosity uh, rather than as something to be uh, nervous of because the conversation around risk quite often opens up aspects one hadn't considered before and my favorite is is bringing someone who doesn't know anything about what you're doing because they're going to ask you the really curious questions and quite often see the risk that we don't see because we think everything's going to work really well because us project managers are always really optimistic and program managers always think we'll get the outcome we deserve because we're going to make it so so uh, a little bit of independence and that's why i've always found my risk practitioners and facilitators have added a lot of value because they can ask some very curious questions from a neutral place and they come at bring us a real wealth of experience as well because they see things from different benchmarks so so listen, your listen to your risk practitioners. Give them a voice. Yeah, excellent. Yeah, more amazing, amazing advice there, Claire. So thanks very much for that. Um, and speaking of advice, uh, for all our regular listeners, will know that at the end of the podcast, we always ask a, a question uh, to our guests. If you could give yourself one piece of advice at the start of your career that you've you've picked up along the way, what would that be? Oh, be curious. Ask curious questions. You know, you've asked some curious questions today, Andy. But I wish I had been given that advice. Um, to ask questions and not expect that um, I know all the answers. Uh, but if I ask more open questions of other people, then I'm going to learn a lot more. And our people know more than we always unlock. Uh, I don't have to know all the answers. I have to ask good questions. So I get to learn more from you. Yeah, okay. fantastic bit of advice. It's something that uh... I, I agree with wholeheartedly on that one. So um, so that kind of brings us up towards the end of the podcast. And it just leaves me uh, to thank you again, uh, Claire, for, for your time and for your invaluable insights today. Um, if any of our listeners would like to kind of contact you regarding the episode and what we've discussed in it or anything else, how are they best get in contact with you? Well, I really recommend LinkedIn. I use it from all my professional contacts. Please do um, just look me up, Claire Gallery Strong, and, and just uh, drop me a, a message or comment on a post and I'll collect you in and have a chat. Excellent. Well, thanks again, Claire. It's been an absolute pleasure. And uh, everybody else, stay tuned and we'll see you back at the next episode soon. Well, that's it for this week. If you've enjoyed this episode of Riskologists, please make sure to follow Optimize on our social media platforms where you can subscribe to this podcast, be notified of the latest releases and help us broaden our reach to the wider risk community. You can also find the full back catalogue from season one, where we've interviewed some of the discipline's most renowned thought leaders around the industry's most pressing topics. If you'd like to get in touch, either as a future guest or with any subject suggestions you'd like to hear covered, please contact us using the address in the podcast notes below. And please join us next time where we'll be hearing the thoughts of another key decision maker and their experiences with risk management. Until then, thanks for listening and take care.